Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about a topic that um, I, I need to have a bit of a disclaimer as I begin. I want to acknowledge that sometimes carrying our cross and following Christ means trials and suffering. And I want to emphasize this morning that Christ says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He could see through his suffering to the need for endurance. He could see through what was happening to what would happen in the end for his death and then his resurrection. He knew the joy that was going to come. And there was wonderful joy ahead for him and for us as we look forward to Easter. Uh, these trials that we experience test our faith. They, they help to show us our strength and our purity. It, we are tested with fire, as, as this scripture says, as gold is tested and purified with fire. So our faith is more precious than gold, it says. So let's join together in prayer as we talk about this journey of suffering this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us through your word this morning, that as we take this journey to Easter with you, Father, that you would help us to learn to bear the cross with you. We ask that you would teach us about the importance of suffering in our own lives. Teach us through your word this morning, we pray. Amen. Amen. January 1st, 2011 was an interesting day for me. It was New Year's Day, and I was looking forward to beginning a new job at Tyndale University. Uh, I was in good shape and feeling a, a little bit tired lately as, as I was leaving one position and moving to another, and, and I was having a lot of heartburn uh, these days, and so I would get up in the morning and take that little Zantac pill, that little, I think they're blue pills, those little heartburn pills, and they would help my heartburn. I would usually feel a little better after it, but lately they didn't seem to be helping much. So it was New Year's morning, and I was working out on, on my bicycle in the basement. I have a little a stationary bicycle. And that old heartburn kicked in again. Oh, my goodness. It really started to hurt. So I went up to my bedroom, and I laid down on the bed. And I found that if I curled up in a ball, that it didn't hurt so much. And the heartburn sort of went away. So Sarah came up to see me and, um, and said, if this heartburn is getting this bad, Rob, you should go and get some real medicine. You better go to emergency, and they can give you some real heartburn meds. So I said, uh, she said, oh, just, you're going to be a long time, I'll drop, I'll drop you off, and then you can get some good medicine at the emergency. So she dropped me off North York General Hospital, uh, ready for a long wait for heartburn medication. I felt like a crazy man going to emergency for heartburn medication. So when I went up to the front desk, I said to the lady, I'm having heartburn, and she said, I think we're going to do a little blood test. And I said, no, I just need some heartburn medication, it's just heartburn I know what's going on. I know my body. Um, she said, tell you what, we'll take a little blood test, and then we'll, I'll see about getting you some heartburn medication. Well, it was a couple minutes later, and they called my name. And I thought, yay. You know, they're going to get me in. Uh, they did. They rushed me. They got me in a wheelchair. They rushed me to the back room. The next thing I know, they're hooking up the EKG, the heart monitor, and they were giving me um, injections in my stomach that turned beautiful blue and green. And I guess they were um, blood thinners. And uh, I was informed that um, I was having a heart attack. And I informed them, no, it's just the Indian food I had last night. But they said, no, blood tests don't lie. The nurse explained, God bless nurses. Amen. Amen. Everybody raise your hand and bless nurses. Thank you, nurses. Thank you, all you nurses. 
you put up with us. Um, she told me, the nurse told me that when we have heart attacks, heart muscle, um, heart muscle cells die and the proteins show up in your blood. And when they do the test, they can tell if your heart is breaking. They can tell if you've had a heart attack. And they said, it's not the Indian food. It is a heart attack. And I started to think, you know, I've kind of been tired a little bit lately and not feeling my best. Um, maybe it wasn't heartburn. Maybe it was heartbreak. Maybe my heart was, was breaking. I had a heart. It turns out that my left anterior descending artery was 95% blocked. My, my, my main left that feeds the blood into the heart was, uh, uh, wasn't getting blood. And um, it was the beginning of a new day. For me, I, I am weak, and I'm broken, and I'm needy, and I'm getting old. Older, older, getting old. But you know, if it wasn't for that pain in my heart, I, I wouldn't be here today. I'm grateful for that suffering, for that pain. That, and grateful for the nurses and the doctors and for Canadian medical care, for that suffering that saved my life. You know, I need to listen to the pain in my life more and not blame Indian food for everything. I need to listen to the pain in my life, to my suffering, because it saved my life once and it might save it again. I've been through so many tests. I've changed my diet. I've been trying to work out each day. I had to see through the, the heart attack, through the treatments, through the medicine, through the diet, through all the exercise and things I have to do to see the life that I wanted. And this is the life I want. I want to be with you. I want to serve God. I want to be alive and moving and strong. But I had to see through the suffering and the pain to bring me to where I am today. Will I suffer again? Probably. Probably. I'm, I'm trying to take care of myself, as are, as are each of us, but... My prayer is that as I walk through times of suffering, that I will see through it and understand what's going on. Let's look at our Bible verse this morning. In the context of this Mark 8, 27, Jesus asks the disciples, who do people say I am? And they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, others say that you are one of the prophets. So Jesus asked them, who do you say I am? And then Peter, who always is the first speak, he speaks up and says, you are the Messiah. So they know who Jesus is. He's the Messiah. And then he tells them, the Son of Man must suffer many things, that he must be killed. And the disciples don't take this very well. Uh, they didn't want to hear anything about his suffering. Jesus said that he, the Son of Man, would suffer many things, be rejected by the leaders, by the priests, by the teachers. And all that the disciples heard was that he was going to die. They, they didn't hear that he was going to be raised again three days later. I don't think they quite understood. Jesus knew that he had to face the cross. He knew what was ahead, suffering and dying. But Jesus knew that through the suffering and dying was the resurrection. He knew that the end of his life wasn't the end. He knew that his suffering, it was going to be hard, but it was going to be good. It wasn't easy, but it was good. He didn't run from difficulty. Jesus faced it. 
He faced it with perseverance and joy. I love James chapter 1 that says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It was interesting when uh, the children were asked if, uh, if they've had difficulties or when they all put their hands up, they all knew what it meant to, to, to suffer as a child. And I, I know that if I asked each one of you, each of us would put up our hands and say, I know what suffering looks like. You know, I know what difficulty and death looks like. The disciples saw suffering and death, Jesus' suffering and death, and they feared it. And that can't be our approach to suffering. Suffering that leads to fear makes us less. Suffering that leads to joy makes us more. We too can see through the gloom and the despair of our own suffering. We can be sure uh, if we follow God's word and believe it that all things work together for good for those who love Christ. We may not see the results immediately, but God will see us through. There is something we can learn from Jesus' experience here. Let's look. When facing suffering, some people want to play it safe. But we need to see through the difficulty and not play it safe, but take the narrow road. As he talked to the disciples, they took him aside. And, and Jesus and turned and said to Peter, get away from me, Satan. That was, it was such a powerful thing to say. You are seeing merely the things from a human point of view, not from God's point of view. In our story, the Bible says that as Jesus talked to the disciples, they pulled him aside and they said, Jesus, we don't want to hear about suffering and death. Be positive, Jesus. We don't, we don't want to hear that story. First of all, who says that we aren't supposed to struggle or suffer in life? Jesus never said that. Who says that there's no inherent value in the challenges we are facing in life? Who says that pain and suffering are to be avoided? Think about the child putting their hand on the, on the hot oven, you know, on the hot stovetop, making sure that they learn, don't put your hand there. I was talking to Reuben this morning, and uh, I said, Reuben, uh, do we need to pray for your hand anymore? He goes, no, I'm okay now. I don't need, we don't need to, you don't need to pray for your hand anymore. It seems like it was just days ago that, that we were all so worried. And he's gone, I'm okay, Rob. He calls me Rob now. He's dropped the pastor. <laughs> and that's okay. Perhaps you remember the book of Job. There's a man who knew suffering. He had comforters. I don't know if you remember, but there were these, these comforters who came to him. And they sat with him as he was dealing with his misfortune. And they watched him for seven days. And finally, they couldn't contain themselves any longer. And the first friend said this. Now, this is what many people believe. This is the first comforter of Job said, Stop and think about it, Job. Does the innocent person perish? When has an upright person been destroyed? My experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. They perish by the breath of God, Job 4, 7 to 9. In other words, this friend is saying, I don't know what evil you've done. I don't know what sin you've been involved in. But that's why you're suffering. But it's a lie. That's not true. We, we don't suffer because, well, sometimes we suffer from bad decisions. But we, it's not a matter of God 
cursing us because of what we have done. And Job knew that he was an innocent man. Job knew that his troubles weren't a result of his own activities. Job knew that this wasn't the case. He was a good, godly man, yet his life was a shambles. Good people suffer. Amen? Doesn't feel good, but good people suffer, and we need to learn to live with our sufferings. We look at the teaching of James, James 1, 2-4. Whenever troubles come your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Who here would like to be ready for anything? You know? Yeah. I'd, I want to be ready for anything. I don't know what's coming, but I sure would like to be ready. And one surefire way to be ready for anything is to see through our sufferings to, to what's ahead. Boy, I love that scripture. That's the challenge from scripture today. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. For you know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Romans 3, 3 to 5. Jesus knew that his mission was to save us. Not to save himself. His journey would include a cross that he bore for us. His life for ours. His love for our gift of eternity. It's incredible. He saw through his suffering. He saw through the cross to us. To, our, to, to the love for us. Forgiveness and that gift of eternity for each of us. And just like Job's friends, some people... They, they want to help us, but they don't understand what really is best for us in light, in light of what God thinks is best for us. Jesus perceives what his disciples are really saying. When Peter said, no, Lord, don't, don't mention your death. Don't talk about your, your three days. Don't talk about being dead and then rising again. And then God turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. How does that make you feel? That even his beloved disciple could be so turned around that Jesus could turn to him and say, get behind me, Satan. Powerful words. And you know, I'm afraid that I may have been Peter. I may have not understood what God wanted in my life. And, and God needs to say to me, you've got to turn around. You've got to think the way I think, not the way you want to think. We, we need to face the cross of suffering. He faced it because he loves us. You know, everything about our lives is important to Christ. Where you work is important. Your marriage is important. How you parent in the care for your children is important to God. Your choice of your educational track. Think of our young folks who are, are studying. It's important what you choose to study. Your health care decisions are important to God. Taking your medicines every morning is important to God. He even says the hairs on our head are important, some more important than others. Because of God's love for us, everything about us is important. And because we are part of one family, the Scott Street family, the family of God, you are important to me. 
When I was on vacation last week, I was praying for each of you by name. I was thinking about Nate and Charlie, kids I love. They made me granola this week that I finished off in the blink of an eye. I was praying for Marga, for her surgery, for her eye, and for her healing. Praying for Jake Clausen for his legs. One day they're strong, another day they're weak, but he's going to be walking as best he can. Praying for Ben. He's still here. I wasn't sure if he'd still be here by this time. You know, thank God for surgeons. They, they, they fused his backbones together, and, and he's here today. He's a miracle. Thank God for our babies. I was praying for, for Avery and Jane and all our beautiful babies, Miriam and Archie, Ella, Lucy, Owen. Keep going, you guys. You keep, you keep making them, I'll keep praying for them. Praying for Noah, for his upcoming wedding, for Katarina, her need for a safe home, for Marlon and Marie, for Marlon's new locations, job location here in town, for John and Haiti, 60 wonderful years of marriage, 80 years of life. You know, there's not enough time, there's not enough time, I didn't go away long enough. There's, there's so many, I love you guys, and when I go away, you go there with me, and I think of you, and I pray for you. When I go away, I don't go to, on holiday to get away from you. I don't. I take you with me. I go on holiday and I take you all with me. And I get refreshed and I get fat and it was all inclusive. And, uh, and then I can't wait to get home. I can't wait to get home. That's love. I was reading a, a story about a seven-year-old boy. His, it was his first day in grade one. He came up through kindergarten. Now he's in first grade. He was accustomed to going home at noon in kindergarten, the day, just a half-day kindergarten. And um, he was supposed to be going to lunch with the rest of his classmates. The teacher noticed uh, that Ryan was putting on his outdoor shoes. And she says, Ryan, what are you doing? Ryan replied, I'm going home. Well, the, the teacher then explained that it's first grade now, not kindergarten, and he had a longer day of school. She said, you'll go to lunch with the class now, and then you'll come back to the classroom, and we'll learn some more. We'll do some more schoolwork in the afternoon. So little Ryan looked up at his teacher and saw that she was serious. And he put his hand on his hips, and he said, Who signed me up for this? <laughs> um, he, he wasn't used to this full day of school. And I wonder if we aren't a bit like Ryan in our approach to what it means to be a Christian. We say, who signed me up for this turning the other cheek thing? Who signed me up for forgiving those who hurt me? Who signed me up for finding joy in the midst of suffering? Who signed me up to carry the cross of Christ? We sign ourselves up. And we, we lovingly carry the cross. The hard stuff is the key part of our Christian life. And understanding suffering and helping those around us with it is a key to a successful Christian life. Second Corinthians, Paul wrote in 4.8.18, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed and broken. We are perplexed. Now, this, he's talking about what a Christian is like. We're perplexed, but we don't give up and we never quit. 
We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get back up again and keep going. We don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what is yet unseen. We see through. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. They'll last in eternity. Take that scripture home and write it somewhere where you can read it tomorrow. 2 Corinthians 4, 8-18. It's encouraging, isn't it? It's a beautiful scripture. Powerful. When facing suffering in this life, we need to see it as Christ sees it. And we have to see, like Christ saw through the cross led to an eternity, so we have to see how our suffering is a part of our eternal journey. How do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Mark 8, 36. When Jesus asked, what does it profit or benefit you to gain the whole world? He was saying, what's the benefit if you go along sort of with the cultural flow? If you take the road of least resistance, if you avoid suffering at all cost, if you make for yourself heaven here on earth, and in the end, you get nothing. That's his question. And he says, I don't want you to get nothing. I want you to get everything. Everything. In the 1990s, there was a study conducted on school children. They picked out a thousand of them, and they were all learning to play instruments. They wanted to determine why some children become musicians and others do not. What are the traits of of children who, who become good musicians? After the research, they found out what does not separate a good musician from someone who is not a good musician. Number one, it's not your IQ. It's not how smart you are. Musicians are not smart. I play. It's not oral sensitivity. So it's not necessarily just your ability to hear that makes you a good musician. It's not your math skills. You know, there's a little bit of math and chords and things. It's not your math skills that make you a good musician. It's not if you are rich or poor. Musicians come from all socioeconomic classes. It's not even having a sense of rhythm. It seems you can learn these things. What they found was the best predictor of a student to become a good musician was their willingness to work hard and suffer. Those who were willing to suffer through lessons and practices and rehearsals and performances and who had joy at the end, who saw it through, became musicians, good musicians. The key difference was their willingness to suffer, to work hard, to learn. And I think that's what Jesus is talking to us about today. Jesus said, anyone who wishes to be my follower must take up his cross and follow me. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. So my prayer for you, dear church family, is that we would give our eyes to God and that we could see through our suffering to the hope and the joy on the other side. 
Think of Ben up in the balcony. Ben, I hope that you can see through the pain you're feeling now to your, your ability to run in six months' time. Whatever you're going through, let's talk about it. Let's pray through it. And let's let God give us the eyes to see through it. To Him, to life, to love, and to eternity. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your word to us today. We thank you that you call us to follow you, to lift the cross and to follow you. Father, we have troubles on all sides, but we are not crushed and we're not broken. Thank you. Father, we're perplexed. We don't know what to do, but we will not give up knowing that you're on our side. Father, you never abandon us. We get knocked down, Father, and you pick us up. Father, give us strength that we can pick each other up. Father, if there's someone here this morning that needs to be picked up, to be encouraged, Father, give us the right word for that person. Give us that word of encouragement, one for the other. Father, we do not see troubles this morning. We see an opportunity to see through them to life. Father, thank you that all of our troubles will soon be over and we will have the joy of eternity with our family of believers and with our loving Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.